Praise God, brothers and sisters. There's a strange disproportion of brothers and sisters today, but that's fine. That's all right. I want to talk about the gospel and what it brings with it, what we have to believe in if we believe in the gospel, or the things that we have to accept before we believe the gospel, or the things that we have to believe if we say we believe the gospel. And the, the reason I want to speak about this is because uh, I'm personally preparing for a missionary trip, and I've been thinking a lot about, you know, like, like what am I preaching? What am I going out to tell people? What, am I, what does this all mean? What is the purpose of this? And, um, like, what is the, do I really consider and really understand what I'm actually telling people, what I'm actually, uh, like, believing, and so forth? And, and just through the years, God's teaching me, because um, I, I, I accepted God, but, or, like, pretty young, and I, I think I, I accepted Him, but I never really understood all the things that God brings with Him, or all the truth that the Bible brings with it. And, but God has been revealing these things over, over the years. And I was, I was looking into the Bible, into studying, and I found a couple things that I really noticed stuck, uh, stood out to me that God says about himself and the reason behind the gospel and the purpose of the gospel. And what the word gospel means is that it means it's good news, that it's there to help people, and it's there to heal people. It's there to pull people out of sin. It's there to pull people out of disease. It's there to pull people out of curses. It's there to pull people out of dark times and depression and difficult things and in, 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 into God's light. Jesus told Paul that, he said, I have appointed you to take people from the dominion of, dark, uh, of Satan into the dominion of God or into God's light. And and when we go out and preach the gospel, if um, the first thing that we have to understand or, is that the gospel is all about God. It's all about how God is holy. It's, it starts with um, this truth that God is holy because if God is, wasn't holy, then this is, uh, there wouldn't be any need for the gospel, but God is holy. And... If you guys have your Bibles, go to 1 John chapter 1. It says, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, This is the message we have heard from the beginning and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And like, this, is the, this is what the main thing that we preach is that God is light. And like, if God is light, then that exposes people's darkness. It exposes to them that they begin to have a conviction that, whoa, like, I'm dark inside, I'm sinful, and they come, they have a need for Christ. Uh, the second thing that we have to accept, or we have to tell people that they have to accept, is that human beings are sinful, sinful, that human beings are sinners. And right now, this is not really something popular in the world. We're very humanistic people, and we want to think very positively of, of ourselves. But the Bible says that human beings are sinful. And again, in the same chapter, it says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lot of people, the, thing, the one thing that hinders them from accepting Jesus Christ, the one thing that hinders them from accepting the gospel is that they don't want to admit that they are sinners. They don't want to admit that they were fallen. 
they don't want to have, they have this high picture of who they are or they have a very, they're very prideful about themselves or they have a high view of what humanity is. Like, look at all the things we've achieved. But Jesus, when he came to the world, he said that, you know, you are sinful. He says, I, I declare it, uh, people hate me because I testify that their works are evil. And this is something that we have to grasp if we say that we are believers, if we say that we are Christians, that we have to understand and believe that we are sinful. And thirdly, this follows because we are sinful, we deserve judgment. And again, nobody wants to, it's hard preaching this to people because they don't want to believe that they are deserving of judgment. They don't think. We talk to many people, you know, uh, in Ukraine and in Seattle, and they're just like, like I never stole, I mean, I, I've never done anything really that bad, but they just never stood next to God. They just never stood next to God's light. They never stood in God's presence. So they can say that, that, you know, I've never, I'm not bad. I've never, never done anything bad. But if, if they saw who God was, they would see who they are, that they are sinful, and that they are desperately in need of God. And see, like, Adam and Eve, when they first sinned, the very first thing they did was they tried to justify themselves and try to make it seem like they don't deserve punishment. Adam said, um, it was the woman whom you gave me. So in a way, he's blaming Eve and God. He said, she, she deceived or she gave me and I ate. But what he's really doing, what Adam is doing there in that situation, she's taking the blame of eating the forbidden fruit. He's saying, well, if you didn't give me Eve, then I wouldn't have sinned. So it's your fault, God, and it's Eve's fault. But it's not really my fault. I'll take a third of the blame, but it's not 100% my blame. But it's, it, it didn't really work with God, and it didn't really stick with God, and he, just, he kicked him out of the garden. I think that if Adam humbled himself and admit his sin, I think God would have dealt differently in that situation. But, and, it, and it's... It leads to the, just a thought that the Bible says that if you, if you can go to Romans chapter 4, verse 5, it says that, it's an interesting phrase that Paul says, Romans chapter 4, 4 verse 5, but to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So Paul says that God is the God who justifies the ungodly. That means that God does not justify the godly. That means if you want to come to God and ask for forgiveness, say, God, justify me, make me right before you, you have to acknowledge the fact that you're ungodly. He's not going to justify, if you come to God and say, I'm godly, he's not going to justify you. He's not going to give you his righteousness. You have to come to God and say, I'm ungodly, I'm unworthy, I'm unholy. And when you do that, he will give you his righteousness. And in Luke, he, there's a lot of, lot of places, the, it's, some people have argued that Luke, he was trying to use that word justify as often to teach a lesson, but uh, there's, it's mentioned, or God was, um, in Luke it says that there was a Pharisee who was praying, God, look at all the things I'm doing, but that sinner over there, he, that uh, tax collector, you know, I'm better than him. 
And it says that the tax collector was begging God for forgiveness. And it says that the tax collector was more, when he left, when both of them left, it says the tax collector was justified more than the Pharisee. And then in that same book, the uh, book of Luke, it says that a certain person came to Jesus and it says that wishing to justify himself when Jesus gave an answer to him, he said this and this. And so basically the Bible is trying to say that we as humans, we have a tendency to try to justify ourselves. To, in Russian, it's it's to make it seem as though we didn't do anything wrong, to make it seem as though we never sinned, to make it seem that we're not bad. But what, what the Bible is saying is that if we stop justifying ourselves, if we stop trying to justify ourselves and come to God and ask God, God, can you justify me? Then we will actually be justified. Then we will actually be forgiven. Because justifying ourselves, it isn't going to take us anywhere. And the fourth thing is just we can't save ourselves by our good works. The Bible says that our good works are filthy rags. If we, if we come to church, you know, if we're, say, Christians, but we're trying to just somehow earn God's favor it, or think that we have right standing with God because of the things we do, the good things that we do, we're deceived. And we're honestly not saved. If we're relying on our own works that we do to save ourselves, we're not saved. And um, I, not that I struggled with this, but what, looking back... I always looked back at my life and I said, you know, I, I used to read the Bible from a pretty young age. You know, I used to see God from a pretty young age. So in my mind, I always had this thought that, you know, like, I'm here because I sought God. I'm here because I, I read his word. I'm here because I sought the truth. And in my mind, I was just kind of giving myself credit. But like, like I've been saying for the past couple of years, God's revealing to me is like, no, this is all my grace. This is all my blood. This is all what I've given you. This is nothing you've earned, nothing you've done. It's, there's a place in the Bible that says that it's not, it's not to the, salvation doesn't, isn't to the one that runs. It isn't to the one that strives to be holy. It isn't the one that strives to, like, oh, I'm a truth seeker. I'm going to see God's face. I'm, or I'm trying to find what the truth is. Is it Christianity? Is it Buddhism? Is it this or that? It, that person who's doing that, the Bible doesn't guarantee that person's salvation. Because it's, we're not saved because we looked for God. We are saved because God looked for us and found us. And Jesus even said that, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Like, I called you. It's, it's a distinction that we have to make in our mind that we didn't save ourselves. We didn't bring our, we didn't, uh, we're not responsible for being saved. Let's, let me put it that way. And the fifth thing we have to know is that there is no other way to being saved but by Jesus. Christ. And there's these so-called Christians, I'll call them that, I don't believe they're saved. They say that, well, Jesus is a way of salvation, but there are other ways of salvation. And the problem with this, the biggest problem is that when Jesus was in Gethsemane, he asked God, is there any other way that I don't have to go on the cross? Is there any other way that I can uh, save, that the world can be saved without me having to suffer? And God pretty much said no. God was silent. There was no other way. There was no answer. Jesus had to suffer. He had to die. And if there was another way to be saved, then God was cruel in punishing his son on the cross when there was another way to be saved, when there was another open door. Why didn't God just tell us to go through that door? But Jesus said, I am the door. There, there is no other way. There is no other salvation. There is no other hope. 
to be saved, but through Jesus Christ. And this last thing is that God, God gets all the glory and the, uh, salvation in the gospel. The way, the way the gospels, if you read the book of Romans, the way the gospel is designed, the way God did all this, or caused, or I don't, I don't know how to look at it properly, but it says that God has shut all men under sin that he may show mercy to all. I guess, I guess in some possible world, Maybe people weren't sinful, but here we, we are, and we are completely dependent on God. We are completely dependent on God to forgive us, to uh, find forgiveness in God. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, um, I'll just quote it. I think I know it. Um, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the way God wanted this is just that, not even that he wanted, but the way it is, the way it is today is that there, we can't boast in our salvation. God isn't going to allow any person to boast or say, you know, I did works. I kept the law. I kept your commandments. I, I searched. I did this. And try to stand before God like, I deserve this. I, I earned heaven. I, I brought myself here. I got myself here. Yeah, the bilsa. I worked hard. At, like, no. God God gave salvation to you as a gift. God gave me salvation as a gift. And we only come to God undeserving. We only come to God unworthy and just completely humbled and completely in awe of who he is. And that's the only place, the only correct place our heart can be is saying, God, thank you. It is to say, God, you deserve all glory. I didn't do any of this. And... May that just be our mentality and just our song to God that, God, you saved me. You are worthy. Like, I'm nothing. Amen. Let us go, let's go to pray. Хорошо, братья, кто может нам помочь, сейчас у нас будет наше добровольное пожертвование. Я знаю, что у нас есть даже какой-то номер текст да, можете высветить, если у нас есть такая возможность. И насколько я знаю, вроде бы мы уже купили этот пианино, и, наверное, уже это к следующему разу уже будет эта новая аппаратура у нас. Так что спасибо, Наташа, те, которые были вовлечены в этом. Пусть Бог благословит. Я думаю, что скоро будем славить Бога на новых инструментах. А сейчас, я это никогда не читал, но буду, постараюсь сегодня читать тоже на английском. Будем, будем читать второе Колоссянам. Братья, если можете тоже высветить, будет chapter, Colossians chapter 2, Колоссянам, вторая глава. Всю главу будем читать. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for those and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude, delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I'm absent in body, nevertheless I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of uh, date dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority." And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead, you were trans in your transgression and the circumcision of your flesh. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of death, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting it in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stand and visions he has seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as you, if you were living in the world, do you Submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. Those are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. May God uh, bless us in understanding the scripture and being more and more uh, studying the scripture and not the fleshly desires of this world. And now, uh, I'm not sure the group, do you have one more song? So let's all stand up, we'll sing one more song, and then we have a uh,
very interesting topic tonight that uh, Brother Alex is going to be sharing with us. May God bless you. Такая хорошая, хороший такой псалом. Песня, простые слова, но вот какие действительно правильные. Иисус, будь центром моей жизни. Да? Это правда так, что у нас Иисус в центре жизни или не совсем? Не всегда, правильно? Да, да. Но было бы хорошо, мы об этом, я думаю, что мечтаем. Кто из вас принимал водное крещение? <coughs> Уже принимал, я имею в виду, там будут еще принять, да? Но вы не бойтесь, поднимите высоко руку, чтобы видели. Окей, вы обещали Господу, да, я тоже обещал Господу, что Он будет центром жизни моей. А кто будет принимать крещение в этом году? Кто вышел на поучение, идет, да? Тоже можете высоко поднять руку. Окей, окей. Братья тоже кто-то поднимал? Нет? Да, один, два, окей. Хорошо. Три, четыре. Окей, хорошо. Друзья, конечно, конечно, никто из нас, мы никогда не сможем быть совершенными. We cannot be perfect. We can't. We simply can't be perfect. Even though Christ Jesus made us perfect through His blood, the fact is that we cannot be perfect. And this is not my word, this is not my phrase, but I liked it so much. I heard it recently, maybe a couple days ago, in the youth service in a different place. And the, the phrase, the statement is very simple. Our purity, our holiness is not about perfection. When I say live pure life, or when I say live life in God, we think of perfection, right? We think of perfect, clean record. And that doesn't happen. So purity, our holiness, is not about perfection. It's about direction. Okay? I'll say it again. This is something that made me think for several days right now. Our purity, our state, our condition before the Lord is not about perfection, how perfect we can be, but it's about direction. That's what Dennis was preaching about, not necessarily about this topic, but he mentioned two people, two kinds of people. One is a Pharisee, actually a good person, and the other one is a tax collector. That's a bad person. If you don't know the parable, if you know just the facts about these two people, one is coming before the Lord, and on the past week, he fasted twice. Two days he was without food. He tried to serve the Lord. He didn't kill anyone. He didn't lie to anyone except the Lord in, in his heart. He didn't do anything bad. He was all about good stuff, about being perfect. And he's standing before the Lord. And then the next person next to him is the tax collector. And he's done all the bad stuff. He cheated. He was probably stealing from people. He was possibly, most likely, cussing because he was in the circles where that was a normal standard of life. And he's coming before the Lord too. And they are standing. And if I can show that, Oleg, I know I don't do that, but if you can stand up. Uh, sorry, that's, that's about something. And, and we're standing before the Lord, right? We're, we're trying to pray to the Lord. Okay? You're going to be a tax collector. I'm a Pharisee. So... <laughs> I'm a Pharisee, right? I'm a good person. But 
I'm actually facing this direction, okay? I'm the right person in my own eyes. He is a tax collector. He's not, so, he's not good at all, but he's facing the right direction. Thank you. Very often, a person who achieved something, who was in the youth group for five years or 10 years, who was doing all the right stuff, was reading the Bible, but that person is facing the wrong direction, just facing away from the Lord. And that is a sin in itself because the definition of a sin, missing the mark, missing the target. So you miss the whole point. You're facing the wrong direction. Maybe you're closer to the Lord at this point, but you're already facing the wrong direction. And the person who's probably laying on the ground, maybe tripped, spiritually speaking, laying on the ground, um, maybe thinking about himself as a miserable failure loser, and he's facing the right direction. He's looking at the cross and he's saying, Lord, have mercy on me. That person is actually the one who's pleasing the Lord. And if we understand that, I'm going to preach about certain spiritual things. I'm not going to preach about something unknown. I'm going to preach about the cross of the Lord. I believe that there are certain things in our life we're missing because we forgot about the basics. And um, before I preach, I'll tell you the story. Расскажу вам такую историю. Это правда случилось. У меня был лэптап, на котором я работал очень долго. В школе здесь, ну, как директор работаю, значит, уже лет семь, наверное, работал. И пришло время его поменять. Я говорю нашему IT-директору, что ну все, уже такой медленный, я там включаю, три окна открыл, и оно там грузит его и, и замерзает. И через 30 секунд включается. И он говорит, окей, мы тебе купим лэптап. Значит, собрали, там есть бюджет определенный. Ну, я уже так чувствую, после 7 лет я не разбил этот лэптап, мне нужен новый лэптап. Покупает новый лэптап, очень дорогой, хороший лэптап. Не буду говорить какой, но очень хороший. И, значит, я открываю его, довольный такой, там и тачскрин есть, там и, значит, ну, короче, всего там есть. И я его открываю, и оказывается, я не могу на нем работать. Потому что в то время, как поменяли лэптап, поменяли систему пассвордов. Ну, я немножко расстроенный, думаю, работу перебили, надо завтра контактировать. Опять ему и пишу имейл со старого своего компьютера, старого. Вот, пишу имейл, что я не могу это. Он говорит, no problem, высылает мне пассворд. Высылает пассворд, очень простой. Говорит, you will do the reset and it's gonna work. Хорошо. Я открываю на следующий день лэптап, ввожу этот пассворд. Ух ты, открывается лэптап. Открылся, значит, скрин открылся, классно, тачскрин, там какой-то Windows новый. Я туда, туда, туда нажал, все работает. Куда следующее? На интернет. Открываю, написано надо Wi-Fi password. Не понял, на, на старом компьютере все было очень просто. Там уже, знаете, remember me, вот это вот все, check. Все стоит на всех пассов, на Wi-Fi, на все стоит нормально, все работает. На новом я понимаю, что компьютер классный, работает быстро, работает почти, что я на него смотрю, а он уже работает. Но без пассворда я не могу полностью воспользоваться его преимуществами. Я опять, значит, уже звоню, говорю, Толик, что такое? Он говорит, ну, 
тоже поменяли мы систему, тебе нужен еще один пэсвод. Хорошо, я говорю, как, как это, записываю, я уже начинаю хранить себе пэсворды, эти первый записал, второй пэсворд записал, включаю, работает интернет. Работает, на, захожу на, на тот веб-сайт, где нужно оценки выставлять, где нужно проверять, опять не работает, еще один пэсворд. Я так замучился с этими пэсвордами, я взял этот компьютер домой к себе, я начинаю писать какое-то письмо, потом мне нужно переключиться на русский язык, на киборд русский. Нету киборда этого, нету этого лейаута, нету моего любимого мнемоник, Russian mnemonic. Я не могу работать. Я говорю ему, слушай, мне нужно загрузить эту программу. Он говорит, загружай, нет проблем. Я включаю, значит, нахожу веб-сайт, интернет работает, я захожу на веб-сайт, Начинаю загружать, оно меня опять спрашивает, не, не может загрузить, потому что нужен master password или administrative password. Я уже звоню ему и говорю, слушай, надо мне такой password, чтобы все работало и все открывало. Он говорит, ну не могу такой дать тебе, но временно, temporarily, я тебе сделаю administrative account, я тебе сделаю один password, и этим password you will override все свои проблемы. Что вы думаете? Делает он мне этот паспорт, у меня просто жизнь появилась. Я могу себе сделать и киборд, могу проинсталировать, могу свои эти apps, все, что мне нужно, я могу достичь этого. Guys, when I say this story, this is, this is something trivial, could have happened with anyone. Um, I'm trying to make sure that we get one point. A lot of you, you're trying to get benefits, partial benefits from spiritual life. You might be doing good stuff. Do unto others what you want them to do unto you. Does it work? It does work. That's a partial benefit from the kingdom of God. Because lots of people in this world, they understand this concept. They do something good to others. Other people do in return something good to them. Is that spiritual life? Is that a life of abundance? No, not at all. Then you come to, to the next point and you do something else spiritually. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Does it work? Works for everyone. Universally. For Buddhists, for Muslim people in Russia, in Ukraine, in America, everywhere. But that's just partial access to, into God's kingdom. And then you come back to, to uh, home and you start praying for the healing. You're praying for something and it doesn't work. And then you read from the scripture, you have to confess your sins, you have to pray for each other, you have to pray with the anointing. You come and you do that and it works and it stops again. And your life is like this. Okay? And I've been there too. What happens is that we forget the basic, the basic um, truth in the Bible, the master password. The administrative password that overrides your problems. That, that place where we need to always start our spiritual walk with God. And not just start, but to come back to that point. And that is so simple that people in this world, they are like, are you serious? Is that true? Is that so simple? It's just five words, five letters. In Russian and in English, it's five letters. It's the word cross. The word cross... C-R-O-S-S, cross, is where we start with our salvation. It's a place where we start with all our things in spiritual life. 
That's where we humble ourselves. That's where we get the healing. That's where we get the strength. And if, if we forget about it, we are losing everything. Now, let me read from the Scripture because that's something that, you know, coming from my heart, but also from the Scripture. And I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians, and then I'm actually coming to Colossians chapter 2. I didn't even know that we are going to be reading from it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And verse 22, same chapter. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. Again, very simple, but the Scripture says that this is the concept that we cannot miss. This is something that we preach, Christ that is crucified. And some people are going to laugh about it. They're going to say, no, that's too simple. Like Dennis was preaching, they're trying to find something that maybe will lead them to perfection, to something that they think is ideal in their spiritual walk. The scripture says, very simple, we preach the cross, the word of the cross, and it's foolishness for a lot of people. Others, they are saying, hey, this is a stumbling block. This is not what we thought about. Jews were thinking this that way. We thought that we have to be good when we come to God. And God says, no, even if, you're like, even if you feel that you're a loser, come to me. Come to me because that's the time when I, I will touch your life and I will save you. And then in Colossians, I want to point you to uh, something really interesting. Colossians chapter 1 and then chapter 2. In chapter 1, it says uh, in verse 25, Apostle Paul says, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. So he's preaching about the cross. He's preaching the word of God. And verse 26 says, that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past, ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. To him God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then I'm skipping to chapter 2, verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth, that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you remember my illustration about the laptop and the access to the treasures, to the mystery, it was mystery for me. Without the password, without that simple first step, it's all hidden. It's unavailable. I was looking at this concept of mystery and I'm like, uh, I mean, what is mysterious about it? People are talking about cross. People are actually singing songs about cross. So it's not mystery. It's not a secret. And that's right. It's mystery, but not in a sense that it's hidden and people never know about it. It's mystery in a sense that you can talk about it. 
You can see it. You can even sing about it, but it's not touching you. It's not personal. It's not working in your life. And then I started looking up that word, the mystery or musturion in, in Greek. And it says it's the secret that is entrusted to the committed people. So in other words, it's like um, think about the pharmacist, right? The pharmacist who knows the recipe. He knows exactly the proportion, the ratio of this of these medicine, this stuff that he mixes and then he makes this really powerful, really helping medicine. But that mystery is not known to the public, to the majority of people. Only the dedicated, committed people who know the power of this medicine and know, you know the, the significance of it, its influence of this remedy, they know this mystery. And only the person who knows it can share it with somebody and says, okay, this is going to help you. Here's what I'm going to give you. Here's this medicine. And so this mystery that Paul is preaching, he says, I, I can't really reveal it to people. In, in chapter 4 uh, of Colossians, I was reading this whole uh, epistle. And in chapter 4, verse 3, he says, pray, verse 3, at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned that I may make it clear this mystery in the way I ought to speak. And like I said, uh, there's a lot of preaching in this uh, church. There's a lot of preaching in the youth services about the mystery, about God's salvation. But it, for some reason, it's just not open. For some of you, you're sitting here, you're like, I'm not sure if I'm saved or not saved. And good, good thing you came to this service because here we are preaching the cross. Here we are preaching the beginnings, the fundamentals of salvation. The mystery of God, first of all, of course, it's revealed through the Holy Spirit. Of course, God reveals through through His Holy Spirit in, directly into our lives, into our hearts. But it starts with very simple, the cross. And when we talk about the cross, it's not just the cross that Jesus died on. Yes, that's where we start. But next thing, that cross needs to become personal thing for you. And that's where I'm leading because with uh, talking with the youth leader, Dennis Tadarashka, and he asked me, he said, Alex, I know you, you need to preach about dating, but can you save that for the youth camp? And can you focus on the, uh, the chapter 12 of the, the book of Romans? Because that's our topic for the youth camp, and let's, let's talk about it. And I said, okay, I'll start uh, talking about it. And Romans chapter 12 starts with, uh, with the call, with the challenge. It says you have to become a sacrifice you have to crucify yourself. And I thought to myself, this is, this is so important. This is that password into spiritual life. This is that door that is closed for most people. The same word, musturion, mystery, is used for Israelites. When Apostle Paul writes in chapter 11 to Romans, he says that this mystery that Israel is so hostile to the gospel that they just don't get it, they don't believe it. This is the mystery that is... That is, 
secret for them. They hear the scriptures. So many preachers go to the, to the uh, Jews. They preach, but it's just closed for them. God on purpose, he closed it. And God opened it up to the Gentiles. He revealed it to us. He freely gives that salvation, that, that preaching, that sermon about the cross. And at the same time, it's just closed and, the, and, and it's just concealed, it's sealed for the uh, Jews. That's the same word, it's uh, the, the musturion, that mystery. God is revealing that to us. And he says, here uh, I'm jumping to Romans chapter 12. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifice. And I want to stop there and think about it, sacrifice. For uh, a long time, I was thinking, you know, sacrifice, it's just like a sheep, you know, that is uh, brought to the altar or the ox. And that's true. We can think of an animal as a sacrifice. But I, I believe that scripture here talks more about us being voluntarily crucified with Jesus Christ. And that's where this password, this important word, that we start with cross becomes even more meaningful because it's not just about Christ who died for us. Now it's everyday life that I have to crucify myself. That's, what, that's where exactly, you know, the, the life starts with God. Until you humble yourself, until you come to Him and say, Okay, Lord, even if I need to give up, I don't know, What's the most precious thing for you? Think about it. Maybe it's a car, a cell phone, whatever, your career, whatever, your trip, something fun, uh, some kind of friends that you are in love with. I don't know. But you say, Lord, you are more than that. I am crucifying myself. And by the way, Jesus Christ was not killed in an instant. I believe that's also an illustration for us. He was dying on the cross and he was suffering. And being a sacrifice implies suffering. I don't want to blame you. I don't want to say that you are not spiritual or less spiritual than myself. In fact, I think that some of you are much more spiritual than I am in your prayer life, in whatever you do for the Lord. But I'm saying that if you've never experienced suffering, suffering in your prayer, suffering in your life, you are probably not aware of what the true sacrifice is. If everything is easy for you, if Christianity is just a piece of cake for you, if you just come and you're like, okay, that's not a problem, and I can serve God, and I can serve my, my own needs, and life is so cold, then there's something wrong. Because the Bible says that everyone, every single one who wants to live godly life will be persecuted. Every person who wants to live godly life, I missed a very important phrase or important word, Godly life in Jesus Christ. Maybe you want to live godly life with Jesus Christ. Okay, you're not going to be persecuted. But if you want to be in Jesus Christ and be godly, you will be persecuted. You will feel that pain. You will feel that persecution. And not necessarily that somebody's going to drag you into jail like in North Korea. But you will be persecuted. You will be laughed at. Maybe you will be even ridiculed. I don't know. In, in, in different things. Maybe on Instagram. Maybe I don't know. But you will feel it. You will know that it's a sacrifice for you. It's painful. Now, bear with me because I, I believe that uh, we are getting to a very important thing. 
Romans chapter 12, 13, and 14, that's what we are going to focus on for the next several youth services. And I believe that there's a lot of good stuff. Next thing about, uh, you know, after this sacrifice passage is about how to love each other, how to forgive, how to be obedient to older, how to be obedient to government, how to after all, understand who is weaker or stronger in faith. Some people can eat meat, others can't. Some people can listen to drums, others can't. How to bear each other burdens and things like that. But believe me, if you just get that piece, if you just get that piece about loving each other without the cross, you will just have partial access. In the best case, partial access to God's benefit. You will not have that master password that you can use. And the master password, the most important thing I believe here in chapter 12 where it starts, present your bodies. It's not like I'm spiritually Christian. I'm spiritually going to the church. I'm in my spirit. It's your body. Your body going to the prayer services. Your body going to the, um, I, wanna, I don't know, maybe the construction to help in the church, maybe to visit someone, maybe to come to the church, to the youth, and so on and so forth. Your body as a living holy sacrifice. It's acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. That's interesting that uh, you present in the sacrifice your body, but it's a spiritual worship. It's a blessing for you spiritually, and it's what God expects you to do. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, I want to kind of summarize what we were talking about. First thing, the mystery of uh, God's salvation, the mystery of God's gospel is actually not accessible to the people. It's unaccessible. You cannot, and I believe that's on purpose because God is not just like, okay, here's Jesus, I'm sorry, here's the, the cross, here's the Jesus Christ, he's your savior, oh, please love him and and. and Yes, he is saving. He's saving the sinners, but only at the point when we turn to him. And at least in, in, that, in that dirty ra uh, clothes, in that, uh, you know, filthy clothes, but we turn to the father, the prodigal son, son gets on the path and faces the right direction. He's still with the pigs, but he made the decision. His mentality, like you said, you know, mentality is right. He's facing towards the home and then he starts walking and the Lord is merciful father runs to him and he helps him and that mystery is being revealed and then the father reveals even more of his heart and he says hey welcome let's celebrate your <clears throat> return let's uh, let's give you him clothes and and the uh, ring and and things like that but that is the mystery and by the way when we get even closer to God when we uh, pray about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's so sad, but I, I honestly, when I was here, I know that we are a new generation. We like worship, and worship is sort of like in the older, uh, not the older, but, you know, 15, 20 years ago was a prayer service. And we pray, and I believe that we worship the Lord, and I believe that lots of you, you find that connection with God through the songs. But praying in tongues... Praying in the Holy Spirit 
is very, very important. You cannot substitute it with the songs. You cannot substitute it with the sermon. It's something that has to be your hunger, your desire, and God gives it. And the scripture says that whoever speaks in tongues speak mysteries. Он тайны говорит. Он говорит такие тайны, those mysteries that even hard to explain for the preacher, impossible. The Holy Spirit is praying in our spirit. We are talking directly with the Lord. So youth, I just want to challenge you. Pray in tongues. You know why we don't have prayers? Because not blaming anyone, but most of you, you didn't even pray today. Not in the morning, not during the day. Maybe somewhere in the back of your mind you said, Lord, help me. Lord, bless this food. Lord, thank you. Maybe a few words. But majority of you, you didn't pray. And when we come together, it's not like we are going to come and then something magic is going to happen here. The mysteries of the heavens going to open. No. When we come together, it's like that, you know, firewood. We're getting together and then the fire must burn burn when, when everybody brings a little bit of it. And so that's another, that's another uh, uh, sermon, but I would like to, to challenge you and to, to ask you, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in the prayer. And then, like I said, mystery of Christ is hidden, but it's being open to us, to those who are willing to suffer, to those who are willing to come to the cross of Jesus. And then he says, take my cross. He actually says, take your cross, right? He says, take your cross. And it's not just to carry it. It's for you to use it every day, to crucify yourself. To crucify yourself, very simple, means to put God desires above yours. You wake up in the morning and you have to make time on your schedule for the prayer, for the reading of the scripture. You don't want to pray. You don't feel like praying. One preacher said, slap your body and still pray and pray until you feel like praying and seek the lord until you actually feel something that's what crucifixion means that's what the cross of the lord means and when we do that i believe that the promises that the blessings that are listed in chapters 12 13 and 14 we'll be looking at them they will belong to us they will belong to those who are willing to come through that death, through that pain, through the suffering, and trust the Lord. The Lord is merciful and answering. And I would like to pray with you. I know that um, it's not coming automatically. It's going to take a lot of effort on your part, but I would like to pray for you. There were a lot of people in my um, youth, when I was younger, who prayed for me, and I didn't even know about that, besides my parents. Good thing if your parents are praying for you. But if not, I'm pretty sure that God can um, put on heart of another person to pray for you. And that's so important. I would like to pray for you if you can stand on your um, feet right now. I want to pray this specific prayer that the Lord, who is the Father of all, would reveal, or the Scripture says, open the eyes of our hearts and will help to see us these treasures that are hidden in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the best. Jesus Christ is everything. He is the one who is worthy to be worshipped, who is worthy to be pursued, who is worthy to be on the first place. Let's seek Him. Let's seek Him in, in the prayer.